This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, April 26, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. The 15-minute city is a great idea for those who want to live a car-free lifestyle or otherwise want walkable access to most of life's basic necessities. Cato's Mark Joffe says there are many government policies that currently inhibit that kind of development. But the push for the 15-minute city, he says, shouldn't punish folks who like suburbia just fine. Uh, a 15-minute city is one where you can get from your home to all the things that matter to you, like your work, where you shop, where you drink coffee, where you meet your friends, within 15 minutes by walking or biking. And uh, I guess, I guess the, the, the couple of questions, one, just to play devil's advocate, what's wrong with that? Well, uh, I guess I'm the devil because I live in a 15-minute city type of environment. I've lived in those type of environments for most of my life, and I think I think they're pretty good. And for people who want that type of lifestyle, I think it should be available to them. And so uh, I guess what stands in the way of that? I would love that. I would love to uh, be able to unleash my children into the, the city where I live to go do all manner of things and participate in public life as as they see fit. But but so many uh, families are separated from commerce and uh, other uh, engagement. They're separated from that by roads. And those roads mean uh, long distances. Sometimes there are no sidewalks that'll connect you to this place or that. And uh, so what stands in the way of making that a reality for more people? Well, I think there are two issues. There's personal preferences and there's, there's zoning, right? So, you know, from a personal preferences point of view, I think, you know, some people uh, have families and they want to, they want their own castle. And I don't want to put that in a derogatory or, or negative way. I think uh, it's quite reasonable that if you have, you know, three young kids, you want them to be maybe protected from, uh, you know, some of the kinds of people you might see in an urban environment. And so you would prefer to live in a, a suburban environment or even a rural environment where you might be primarily car dependent. And I think uh, public policy should allow people to take that choice. On the other hand, we do also have situations where there may be people who are, are living in a house but if their their kids have grown up and they're starting to downsize, and they might want to stay in their house, but also have more access to urban amenities, so you know in those situations that gets to your you know point, Caleb, about the you know, lack of sidewalks, wide roads that are difficult to cross, and so forth. So if we can selectively think about situations where zoning can be relaxed and uh, public amenities, you know, uh, uh, like crosswalks. Uh, you know, more more sidewalks on on major roads can be made available. I don't think we should be necessarily opposed to them. I don't necessarily think we have to be, you know, anti-urban to be pro-freedom. There are many places where the buildings that existed or were constructed a hundred years ago simply cannot be built today. And a lot of those are multi-use buildings. They are commerce on the first floor with housing on second through the fifth floors. And uh, it is increasingly difficult, I think, for a lot of people to make that choice just by virtue of the regulatory environment surrounding housing and its placement within 
the context of all of the other things that people might enjoy doing without getting into a car. Exactly. And so I live in a city. In fact, I live in a building that has ground floor retail and then second, third, fourth floor is residential because that's a choice that's been made in Northern California. And while Northern California is usually a place where we see a lot of bad public policies, this is one that I think has really worked well uh, for certain urban areas of Northern California where we're able to you know, enjoy ground floor retail and still have a good measure of privacy in our apartments. Again, if you have a family with three or four kids, it's probably not right for you. If you're um, you know, an empty nester like I am, or you're a younger person, you're just starting your family, it's a great fit. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a building type that, as you say, was very common in the early 20th century. And I think it's something that you know, more communities should be open to, including in the mix of, of property types that they allow. The other policy decision, and, and we're told, I guess, by uh, people who, uh, for lack of a better term, don't really like cars, don't really like highways, don't really like that as a mode of development. Uh, and so there are things that I want to make sure that we sh- show due respect for, but also uh, you know, critically evaluate it because these are all policy, policy decisions that are made about uh, where roads go, where yes. neighborhoods are allowed to be built. Uh, I th- the the broadest range of choices is certainly uh, what what I think you and I what I would like to see. Um, but you know, d- critically examine if you would this notion that hey, the car is terrible. Uh, having to drive anywhere to get to anything you want is de facto bad, uh, or at least it's extremely costly uh, society-wide. Exactly. And I think this is really where the 15-minute city concept has gone a bit awry when it gets mixed in with this anti-car ideology. So an example is what's going on in Oxford in England right now, where they're essentially saying, you know, if you drive out of your residential zone to go to another zone, because maybe you want to go to a barber shop or a coffee uh, coffee shop in that part of the city, you're going to get a limited number of uh, you know permits to do that. And if you go over that number of permits, you're going to get a fine. So that's that's a really you know coercive and and very top down approach to this. Whereas I think that. The libertarian approach is to simply allow the amenities to be available and to allow people to make the choice to, you know, stay local if they if they want to. But, you know, the what's what's happening in Oxford reminds me of what I see in Berkeley, which is a city not far from where I where I live, where they've essentially closed down a lot of streets by putting planters in them. The street was originally designed to allow cars and and people. And the decision was made, well, we don't want cars on these streets anymore. So valuable public infrastructure is now closed off and not allowed to serve its original purpose, creating a lot of unnecessary congestion in the city. And so that's really, I think, where a good idea, the 15-minute city, becomes a, a, a dangerous idea in the sense that it really limits people's choices to use cars when they need to. So what are the big regulatory moves that cities, counties, districts, zoning areas, and states ought to be thinking about more seriously to, uh, you know, promote the upside of this 
uh, this choice that people should be uh, should be able to make and that developers should be able to accommodate uh, and the you know while avoiding the restrictions that would prevent um, people from making other choices exactly I think you know we should be promoting mixed use zoning or the total absence of zoning where wherever possible. I, I see that as being a gradualist thing or an incremental thing where some areas will remain strictly zoned for many years, but there are transitional areas, especially where there are older homes that can be moved more to a mixed-use environment right now. And that's really, I think, where it should stop. I don't really think we should be thinking about how can we stop cars from you know, using a particular street, uh, let people just move more towards this mixed use environment. And I think you'll naturally see more of a transition away from cars and towards walking and biking. Mark Joffe is a federalism and state policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.